Welcome to Energy Matters, where we explore alternative health in the Pioneer Valley. I'm your host, Caroline Rutterman, and I'm a Reiki professional and intuitive in Northampton, Massachusetts. For the past nine years, I've been teaching people how to use their intuition and helping them reduce stress and anxiety. Together, we'll talk with other practitioners and learn how they bring health and healing to the Pioneer Valley. Let's do this. Hey, welcome, welcome everyone. You are listening to Energy Matters and I am your host, Caroline Rutterman. We have a great show for you today. We are here with Stacy Every, who is a massage therapist specializing in deep tissue, Reiki, hospice care, as well as cancer massage. So welcome, Stacy. It's so nice to be here. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about um, about the, the work that you do in the Pioneer Valley. Yeah. So as you said, I'm a licensed massage therapist. I have been for five years now. Um, prior, I'd say my primary work, I'm in Westfield, and but I also do in-home care. I did before the epidemic, of course. Um, mostly, I would say deep tissue work with working with people who have jobs that are constantly causing them repetitive stress. So I'd say that's the bulk of the work that I've been doing. But I also, in fact, do oncology massage, both uh, in my office and in people's homes. And then I've had um, hospice massage, both in Hamden as well as Hampshire County. So um, yeah, it's been great work. I've been doing the last, really enjoying my work the last five years doing doing that kind of stuff for folks. What, um, do you, is there a particular aspect of, of visiting people uh, at their homes for massage therapy that really, um, that really works for you and your business? Yeah, actually people, you know, a, a huge part of why massage works is, you know, really just getting them to relax. I, you know, I always say, you know, I, I can't force someone to relax. I can encourage the body to relax. So, and folks often, you know, older people, I think, um, and uh, uh, just certain groups often feel a little uncomfortable about massage. I think it's a bit of an American problem, the, our lack of touching each other. So, so if people are receiving it in their own home, very often that takes away the edge of their discomfort. They're more able to relax into the treatment. And, and really that relaxation response is, I'd say, the primary uh, method of, of getting the the healing that you need. It, it's what creates the, the, the healing response in the body is just gently leading them into a place where they're, where they're relaxed. So, so it's really helpful. And um, so that's one aspect of the in-home work. The other aspect of the in-home work is usually I'm there because they're very sick and they can't get to the office. Um, so that's when I'm you know, most often working with cancer patients and hospice uh, patients in their homes. And that's a whole nother you know, rewarding aspect of being there is, uh, you know, when you're working in someone's home um, it, because they're so ill and um, just needing that comfort, it's just an invaluable experience for me personally, of course. But then, but then for them, it's it, it's the kind of work where you know you're doing good in the world when you're offering that kind of touch therapy to someone who's just suffering because you know cancer treatments are are quite are really difficult for a lot of people. And then, of course, end of life care and and what often happens so often too with um, uh, more medicalized treatments is that people don't get touched much except in a medical way. I actually had a client who needed an extremely gentle touch. Um, she was post, she was a cancer survivor and she'd been so, um, like the, the, her association with 
touch in the medical setting was so almost like a PTSD response, right? From having, being so afraid and then being poked and prodded by doctors. And I know it's inevitable in some, in some cases where that's just what they have to do for cancer treatments, but it has a really negative repercussion on the body in the long term to be poked and prodded when you're already afraid. So um, being able to provide touch that's not a medical touch that's, and in fact, I tend to approach those patients with extreme care and slowness and caution and, and gentleness because all the touches they've been getting up until now have been really unpleasant. You know, it's needles and it's blood pressure cuffs and it's, and it's no one's fault, but, and also the caregivers often just don't have time, you know, if they're in their own homes being taken care of by someone else, you know, the caregivers don't have time to then also give them gentle touch. You know, they're exhausted too. They need massage as much as anybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, um, um, being in, in home is just, uh, it's really, I'm glad I can do it. I'm glad I can go into people's, and I, I look forward to when I can do it again, because it's invaluable to be able to go in and, and be with people on their own turf. Yeah. How did you, how did you fall into visiting people at, in their homes? Was there, um, did you start working with a program? Did you start having clients ask you, uh, what was the sort of gateway between, uh, folding that into your work? It was the oncology massage. You always know, had a couple clients who, um, liked the convenience of it, of me showing up at their houses for regular massage. But really, it was the cancer patients who would start by coming to see me in my office and then um, often would either have periods of time where they were feeling too poorly to leave and I would I would go or they, in fact, had progressed to a point where they could no longer leave their homes. And this you know, it ended up being a bit of a fuzzy line between oncology massage versus hospice massage. So that was really when my my at-home practice was in response to cancer patients. So it was after I, I um, was trained in oncology massage, I started to do far more in-home, uh, see far more people in their home. Can you tell us a little bit about the difference between hospice massage and cancer massage? What's, what's the difference between the two? There's a lot of overlap, certainly. Um, with oncology massage, um, there's a lot, there's a, a very thorough intake I do with my clients. Um, there's a lot of risk factors involved with oncology massage. Uh, and so, um, and just to touch on those, some of those briefly, you know, when you're in cancer treatments, you're receiving chemotherapy and or radiation. Um, there's the, you know, the issue of the tumors, which is one issue that without, you know, you don't want to put pressure on tumors. Certainly you need to know where they are and where suspected uh, tumors may be. But, but um, when your body's undergoing chemotherapy, it's, it's really hard on the body and um, knowing when they had their last treatments and how it affected them, what their energy levels are like are all really important because you don't want to make them feel worse. And this kind of typical strong Swedish massage um, it's, it's like a circulatory trying to get things flowing. You actually don't want to do that when they're in, in treatments. It's often, um, it's too hard in their organs that are already struggling. Um, and so, so you do a, it's you know, termed a non-circulatory massage. You try not to get things like push and, and really squeeze out the tissue in the same way. You're more looking, working on the top layers of the skin. But some people, you know, after I've worked with them for a couple of sessions, they're responding so well to treatment. You know, it's, it's such a varied, it's such a mixed bag on how people respond to the chemo. 
And some of them are like, I, my last treatment, I felt great. You can, you know, and I'm, I'm going for walks and I feel wonderful. And I think you can try a little firmer today. And it's like, okay, we'll try a little firmer and see how that goes. And like by increments, we'll find where their, their comfort zone is, right? Whereas other people feel awful and I have to be just super slow and gentle with them to make sure I don't overwhelm their system. Um, and then also with, with chemotherapy, there's all, there's some inherent risks, like you're more susceptible to blood clots. So you don't want to you know, work the legs hard at all, no matter how good they feel. Um, uh, there's often have skin sensitivities, get rashes. They may have ports to work around in their bodies where the chemo is being, is being brought in. And if people um, aren't, yeah, if people aren't familiar with the port, it's usually, um, it's usually over the call around the collarbone area. Um, and it's a, it's kind of something that is in there. It's surgically implanted and it's a little device that allows the, the needle to just go straight into the vein. And so people don't have to, um, get poked and get the needles every single time. It's it's a direct connection for uh, for nurses to be able to access. Um, and some people love them and some people hate them. And um, they leave a little scar right on across the chest. Uh, so it's, you know, yeah, they're and they're a very, very sensitive place. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And then finally, there's the surgical risks. You know, when often people have any lymph nodes removed, um, it's, and, I, and actually, I, I'm I tend to take extra time with my oncology clients because often, you know, when you're under stress and your doctor's talking to you about the risks of surgeries, of chemo, of radiation, it's, it doesn't always stick, you know, like when you're, when you're stressed, your short-term memory actually doesn't work as well. So I often have people say, what do you mean? I can't, you know, get a circulatory massage. What do you mean? I have blood clots as a possibility. And I'm sure the doctors told them, but they just don't remember. And the other piece of it is when you have any lymph nodes removed, you're at risk of lymphedema, which is a condition where um, you'll basically, long story short, you have lymph nodes removed, your lymphatic system isn't as good at handling the, the fluids in your lymphatic system, and you can overwhelm the body. So you'll get really uh, extreme swelling in a limb. So if you have breast cancer treatments in the, in the right side, they remove lymph nodes and under the right armpit, you're at risk of high risk of lymphedema in that right arm. And so you cannot, you know, really should not do anything vigorous in that there's a, you know, a region you need to avoid to make sure you're not putting them at risk of, of the lymph- lymphatic system being overwhelmed in that part of the body. So all of those things I, you know, are in the back of my mind when I'm working with a given cancer patient. So that's, that's the oncology massage. So to answer your question, honestly, with, with hospice massage, there's, we, it's, really just gentle you know there's no like you know, with, with oncology massage there may be an area that there's really bothering them and it's a, there's no particular risks for that area so I can, i'll go a little deeper for a few minutes to do some muscle release work hospice massage the, the intent really is just comfort it's um it's really just to soothe the nervous system to um uh help bring some flow into not in a vigorous way but just bring some sort of flow into the body the the um i think of it as the sort of the the um leading authority on hospice massage irene smith talks about you know bringing imagine bringing the, the water back to, back into the body you you imagine the body um a, a river that needs needs water flowing into it and it's this gentle like spring fed kind of way because there's sort of the the you know the, the tense afraid dried out reaction that happens often when you're in hospice care and so you're just trying to bring 
some sense of flow and movement into the body again. So it's, it's very gentle. It's just the top layer of the skin. It's lots of, lots of lotion, very slow. Um, and often you don't, you know, don't move them around at all. They're, they're often in a hospital bed and they just stay put in their hospital bed. And it's about bringing, you know, just, just nervous system soothing. It's not massage per se, nothing, you know, it's, it's a whole different intent. Now, when you, you mentioned that you working with hospice as well as oncology massage, that you tend to stay at the, on the top layer of the skin. What is, mm. what is that area uh, for the body for healing? What's, what's the healing touch related to the top layer of the skin? Well, as far as you mean, like the, um, like what's happening in that top. Like, exactly. Yeah. Sure. What's, what's happening on that top layer of skin um, that, I, I think that in in my mind, uh, you know, kind of getting into the muscles and like you said, the the muscular skeletal kind of, you know, in a, in a typical massage really gets a little bit deeper with the deep tissue. Um, and so what is, how is that, um, how does the top layer of the skin really affect our, our mind, our emotion, our relaxation response? Mm-hmm. I think the top layer is... It, it, it's the it's the touch itself you know it's the when you get a massage often you feel the you know the muscles feel soothed the the pressure is a a piece of the healing process but when it's the top layer of the skin it's you're really working almost exclusively with the nervous system um more way more so than the musculoskeletal system of course and um not nearly enough research has been done on massage in my book to uh, to examine it really as a as a healing modality. But the one way in which they have researched massage is, in fact, in the area of oncology massage. They've done a lot of um, research in how cancer patients respond to massage, and that the light touch therapy, where you're really just stroking the top layer of the skin, um, has been profoundly. A, effective in stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system, the, the part of our, our nervous system that, that helps us heal and relax and the meditative state, right? So it's, it's, um, it's, it's the actual sensation of touch, I think, that's the, in stimulating the, the, um, the nerve endings in the skin that's, that's the healing. You know, it's, it's um, I think, a very basic human level biological level of we need to touch each other and that's and um and it's how we stay we stay healthy it's it's critical for our for our health so yeah i I guess i do think of it more as a nervous system treatment than i do of a as a skin yeah as a muscle muscle treatment when we're just working with the top layer of the skin and that's how they describe it even um, tracy walton's the the other leading authority on this kind of thing which she's i trained with with oncology massage is you're just you're just smoothing lotion onto the top layer of the skin. And, and that, that motion, that, that, that feeling all by itself, they found just fires off all the best neurotransmitters in, in, in brain chemistry that you could possibly want, just that gentle, soothing touch. So you know, I always encourage caregivers, you know, if they are looking for ways to, to nourish and help their, the person who is dying or suffering with their cancer treatments, like just just rubbing your hands gently on the skin is helpful. It's tremendously helpful, actually. I mean, they found that's one reason they've, uh, they use it. Lots of hospitals have, have massage therapists and volunteers. Uh, Connecticut and, and Rhode Island, I know, are notable for that, where they have people on staff to give, um, uh, do light touch massage for people who are undergoing chemotherapy treatments because they, it's documented. They, 
is, you know, the pain and the anxiety and the exhaustion and the nausea associated with the treatments, everyone reports all those symptoms are reduced if they have that light touch therapy. That's amazing. I feel like it's, mm. I wish that everyone, I wish we could shout that from the rooftops and, sh- you know, tell everyone in our society, like how important touch is. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And I, and I understand people wanting to come to a massage therapist, like, oh, you're the expert. Like, yeah, but we all know how to touch each other. You know, it's just an inborn, like I, I like it. And so I studied it and I got, you know, I, I practice it every day, but we're all absolutely capable of bringing some real healing to our loved ones just by you know, stroking the surface of their skin for a while. Yeah. And if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Energy Matters, and we're here chatting with massage therapist Stacy Every. Stacy, how did you get into massage therapy? What was what was your journey into this work at the very beginning? Yeah, it was convoluted. Um, uh, this is my second career. I was a I was a high school English teacher back in the '90s, and and I had kids, and I was home for. I was home for a bunch of years, and then got divorced and went back to work in. 2011. And um, uh, it was a whole new world. You know, those nine years I was out of work, I went from having a lot of control over my curriculum and um, being able to try out. I worked at the vocational school here in town in Westfield and getting to do, you know, co-teaching and all this really fun stuff, actually um, doing uh, integrated work with with the shop areas. And then the MCAS happened and it really, everyone's curriculum had to follow along with with uh, the MCAS requirements, and it was, um, it sounds so, you know, so selfish, it just wasn't as much fun. It really was, it was pretty painful in a lot of ways, because, you know, ninth and 10th grade got co-opted by a lot of the, the making sure the kids were trained to take the test. So after a couple of years of this, I thought, oh my God, I, I, I got to do something else. But I was, and I was on the verge of you know, trying to decide what to do with myself when I got laid off. I was at a, um, a city school in the typical, you know, underfunded, underfunded, uh, having a really terrible time functioning sort of inner city school. Um, And the layoff was the best thing that could happen to me because I I was realizing I had to leave teaching. It just wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted anymore. And wasn't really, uh, I didn't feel like I was doing good work. I wasn't able to do good work anymore. So, um, so I was unemployed and I did the whole, okay, I have no idea what to do next. I'll just start trying stuff. And I was also at that point coming out, I was still coming out from my divorce. And so, you know, it's the whole heal or heal thyself thing. I was sort of casting around trying to figure out how to just feel, um, just recover from that whole, you know, difficult marriage and difficult uh, divorce. And I, <laughs> I went to um, a group of friends of mine and said, I, I, feel like I just need some kind of healing and I don't even know what that means at the time I didn't know anything about energy work I knew nothing about Reiki and a friend of mine said oh you should talk to you should talk to my friend Sophie she does energy work and I worked with Sophie and she's like a um, energy removal um, uh, kind of work that she does and she also is a Reiki master and said hey you want to take some Reiki classes I'm doing I'm, I'm running some soon and I said, sure, let's, let's, Why let's not? take Reiki classes. Why yeah. not? You know, <laughs> not really even knowing what it was. <laughs> that was my experience too. I was like, I have no idea what Reiki is, but yeah, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was literally like trying any, anything I thought might make 
um, yeah, I, we all have trauma, right? And I was doing, and I'm, I'm kind of a, I call myself a healing junkie. I'll try any modality once to see what it does for me. Like I tried cranial, that's when I, I found craniosacral therapy and tried that. Um, did talk therapy, wasn't really thrilled, but then, then did sens- sensory motor therapy, which I, the, one of the body psychotherapies I was really thrilled with. And then I said, like, yeah, sure, energy work, why not? I have no idea what it is, but it sounds like woo woo, but let's try because yep. what the heck, right? And it wasn't woo woo, it was incredibly effective. So um, I did the Reiki classes and I thought, well, maybe I'll do Reiki. Maybe I don't, and I liked it, but it, so I, again, not knowing what else to do, I, I started offering Reiki to friends and family. And um, I had a friend who is a yoga instructor and I said, I, I'm still unemployed. I'd love to go to yoga again. Can I give you free Reiki? And she says, well, can you give some to my husband? Because he's in terrible pain. He's a window installer and he has this huge job and he's, you know, he's kind of suffering right now. And, uh, you know, as you well know, so I started working with him and he was very like, Reiki, what the heck is that? You know, but he was desperate enough as well to try anything. (laughs) (laughs) And um, desperate or uh, open, you know, well, that's he, that there's like there's a there's a moment where people where people reach that breaking point and they're like, you know, anything. Anything. Yes. And I people feel that way about massage too. I mean, a lot of my trades people I've had are men in their late forties who who've been carpenters and plumbers for years and fi- and they've been doing the I can tough through it, but you know, the pain isn't that bad. And then they finally say, Oh my gosh, yes, please, can we try massage? I I need some relief here. And um, when they weren't, you know, were uncomfortable with it before, and so the same thing, I suppose, yes, with the with the Reiki. So, so I worked with him, and you know how well, you know Reiki is one of those. It, it it really starts to hone, like your intuition gets a little little jump start when you do Reiki on a regular basis. For sure, yeah. And um, so I was we were doing Reiki, and uh, I said, "You seriously need massage." I don't know anything about massage, but I can tell, like, because his arms and his hands and his shoulders were just and constant aching pain. I said, I can do some massage too, if you like, but I don't know what I'm doing. He says, oh, yeah. and again, open, right? He says, whatever you want to do, it would be great. Yep. Anything <laughs> might help. Yeah. If anything might help me feel better, please go ahead. So um, I did a combination of Reiki and then, you know, again, you know, not, I don't, didn't know what I was doing, quote unquote, but everyone knows how to do touch because we're human. And at the end of the session, we were both just thrilled with the result. I, he's like, I feel so much better. And I thought, that was so much fun. And uh, I called a friend of mine and said, I think I need to go to massage school. Where do you suggest I go? And she said, oh, go to STIC. It's, they have a great program at Springfield Technical Community College. And so I signed up for massage school two weeks later. Amazing. That's so cool. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was one of those, you know, it was actually one of the literal thunderbolt. Because I had lots of friends who were massage therapists, and, and and when I thought about it intellectually, it didn't ping anything for me at all that I would want to do massage. But then once I actually did it, it was a, a talk about it. It was a huge aha moment of oh, this is great. I love this. That's and how so, you know. So, that's oh, how you know your path. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Follow those good yes. feelings. Those are those are those moments of grace. They're they're quite the gift when there's just that moment of clarity and you know what direction to go in. And it, um, yeah, and so off I went. Thank you. Yes, of course. Um, so, Stacy, tell me a little bit about how how do you fold in Reiki and massage? What does that look like in your practice now? Yeah, um, 
being in Westfield, you know, I, we talked, we joked about the tofu curtain where, you know, above Holyoke, folks are very savvy about energy work and alternative therapies and holistic therapies. And then uh, below Holyoke, people are tend not to be as aware about the different, um, about craniosacral work or even acupuncture. And so a lot of what I'm, one way I fold Reiki in is purely by education. You know, I'll, I'll, there'll be certain clients who come in who uh, I'll recommend I add Reiki into the treatment because they're maybe they're, they're very anxious. They have high anxiety. Maybe they've mentioned, you know, feeling lost or, you know, it's, there's like a certain, like an extra level of nourishing I could, I can tell they could use. And so I'll mention Reiki and they say, Oh, I've, I got to say now more than ever, I, even in Westfield, people say, I've heard of Reiki. What is it exactly? I don't, you know, I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is, uh, which is nice. At least they've heard of it. So, so, and I feel like in my work, in education is half of what I do. Um, you know, you always say all experience we've ever had is useful at some point in our lives. And I don't regret the years I spent as a teacher at all, because I feel like I get to continue to be an educator and then I've had experience in doing so. So, um, so I fold it in in that way where I, I will suggest it. Sometimes I have people who come in and say, I want Reiki or I want Reiki and massage. And they're very clear. And that's what we do. Um, but for everyone, it, it, that's a relatively small minority, actually. Where I tend to use Reiki more is for the, the cancer patients and the hospice patients. Um, there are times when I have a, an oncology patient, client comes in and says, you know, I really don't feel good, but I didn't want to give up my, my appointment. And I say, well, let's just do Reiki then. You know, it, it's it, 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 always, having that as a, as a completely low impact option is is. I'm thrilled to have it as a, as a, as a tool in my toolkit. We can always do Reiki, you know, even when they may not be able to handle any other kind of vigorous touch or any kind of touch at all, because their skin's just too sensitive or they're just too jacked up in their nervous systems. So, um, and then same with hospice care, when people are, you know, they're cold, they're, they need to be under covers. They're, they're just um, uh, maybe not even really very with it at that point. And I often will go to, rather than risk, agitating them i'll do reiki you know it's one thing with hospice patients is that they can't communicate i'm going to be even more gentle about what i do with them to make sure that it's um i'm not you know like talking to them and not violating any their privacy by touching them when they don't want to be touched so of course yeah I'm trying to get some some kind of a response from them and then if i really can't get a response i'll just do hands off with the permission of the of the caregiver i'll just do hands off reiki on them instead to provide some, some something nourishing without infringing on their physical space. Yeah, absolutely. And how, you know, when you're working with such a pop with different populations that are really going through it, whether they're, you know, at end of life, or they're really deeply suffering from dealing with cancer treatments, how, when you're working with that population of people, how do you take care of yourself? Mm, that's a great question. Because one of the challenges um, of hospice care and, and in home care when I'm used, is working on hospital beds. It's, uh, it's often you can, thank goodness you can raise and lower them and, and move some stuff around, but it's still a little tricky to do a lot of hospice and cancer massage work and not end up bent at a funny angle or, you know, doing something that isn't completely perfect in your own ergonomics. So those hospital beds uh, are so wide and so long. So yeah, you definitely it's not you don't get to be right up against the the same way with a massage table, you don't have that closer proximity. Exactly, exactly. So, 
So that's often a challenge. Um, and and uh, sometimes they have to move, you know, we're moving beds away from walls and we're, you know, doing some elevation and propping pillows and all this. But uh, so, so I tend to, but, and then there's that piece of it. And then there's a the piece of the, the energy piece. You know, um, one thing I've got to mention before is one way the, the work is really um, rewarding is knowing you're helping the caregivers too. You know, the caregivers grieving and um, dealing with their grief and they're exhausted and and having that hour when you're they know there are persons being taken care of is is really helpful. But then you know, very often after the treatment, I'm, I end up talking to the caregiver and checking in with them and they'll often need, you know, they'll want to talk. And I'm, I'm really happy to be to listen to them, because, you know, the thing, the process, help process what they're going through. You know, you know everyone can provide an, an ear, a sympathetic ear. And that often means you, it's hard not to take on the energy of the house, you know, um, when you've got grieving people and suffering people and just a lot of anxiety and stress happening in the, in the room, you often send a prayer to the, you know, the, just the house be cleared up a, a bit of, of all the energy that's, it's um, often gets a little stuck and making sure I don't have that energy stuck to me is super important, obviously. Um, it's a good way to burn out quick is taking on the energy of the people in your practice who are suffering and grieving. So I have a, a bunch of routines I do to clear myself energetically after every, after every client, frankly, I do that just as a matter of course, and um, often using Reiki and um, similar energies to do that. And then, so the spirit, that, that's actually the part I find that's at least as important to do for myself as a caregiver as it is the physical stuff. And then the physical stuff, I do yoga. I do regular chiropractic care. Uh, I like acupuncture is one of my modalities. I do that a lot. And then I got to exercise because it's no matter how hard you try to be as even as you can with your move, movements, you know, I am right-handed and it's really hard to make sure you're equally using your body on, on both sides, on both sides at all times. It's, it's really a challenge, even when you have a totally controlled environment like your own massage room and your own massage table, much less when you're doing in-home massage, working on hospital beds. So, so exercise and, uh, and yoga and stretching and, uh, uh, is also super important. Yeah, it sounds like you have a good balanced routine between doing the energetic clearing and the, the physical movement and stretching and, and exercise. Um, I am curious, what, what kind of, um, can you tell us a little bit about your, your energetic cleansing routines that you do in between clients, if you feel comfortable sharing? I, I can. It's, um, it's work I learned from my first, the first energy teacher, uh, Sophie Lahost. She did, uh, so her work is really with the idea that, you know, we, our energetic bodies um, are, we, so we have our energetic bodies and, and we have like our, our ancestry and um, uh, past lives and um, purposes, our, our current purpose all sort of intersects in our systems and we can, we can influence that and, and we, need to, we need to examine those things. And um, so, and that we have, you know, we have people who are no longer with us who are taking care of us and keeping our eyes out, their eyes out on us and, and guys and just general interested spirits, you know, um, be when you call them angels or whoever she calls them angels. And I tend to as well. It's a good term. And so I tend to ask some of the energy. It's hard to get rid of it yourself when 
you run across someone who has some kind of trauma or pain that you can relate to too strongly, right? When someone is going through something that you like, oh, wow, I, I remember being in that exact place myself and the, and you're triggered and um, you're anxious. Often it's hard to say, okay, just I need that energy. Just go away now. It's often really difficult to do it on your own and asking for, you know, the guides and the angels to do it for you is, um, it, it, it works. It just works when you ask for those entities to just take care of it for you. Mm. So I have, I have sort of a, um, a routine where I ask that angels take away the stuff that I can't get rid of myself. And um, there's also a, um, the, the kind of Reiki I was taught, uh, I was taught, I forget the, I shouldn't remember the exact name of it. It was a, a later practitioner came up with uh, cecum energy and there's violet flame as well. And I tend to use violet flame a lot. Um, it's very much a purifying. It's like a it's like a really strong, wishing someone well kind of prayer. Um, you know that we all know the power. I think we all know that the power of prayer is really powerful. Just wishing someone well and wishing uh, good health is it has an impact. And violet flame feels like a kind of like that idea on steroids, where it's really cleansing and nourishing and it's just like Reiki can't really can't go wrong with Reiki. You can't really hurt someone with Reiki. Yeah. Same with violet flame. Affirmation um, that Reiki can do no harm. You know, that's, that's the one, one thing I always, always stick to in that practice is like Reiki can do no harm, you know? Mm -hmm. And and the Sikam energy and violet flame are the same. So I know that, you know, no matter what it's, it's, it's feels, it feels helpful and not just in a, individual way but kind of a global way (laughs) to offer that cleansing purifying energy uh, for myself for my client for the you know circumstances that we're in to um just just some of that stuff to get released you know i feel like after years and years of you know frankly as as is being played out in in our country right now we just have generational trauma that sometimes feels overwhelming with how much has been racked up over the years of people just suffering over and over again in really difficult circumstances. And so anything I can do to lighten that load, I will do on a daily basis in whatever circumstance I can. And, and offering violet flame is one of those, those times. So I, so I use it for myself. I use it for the circumstance. I use it for my clients on a daily basis. Hmm, that's lovely. Thank you for sharing that. I know sometimes mm-hmm. people's uh, private practices and how that they uh, bring joy and blessings to other people can be uh, a very internal, uh, peaceful process, but doesn't always get discussed. So thank you for for sharing some of that, uh, that work with us. Absolutely. I would just assume, I mean, honestly, it's, it's in my best interest, and I think all of our best interests to talk more frankly about about energy and our interconnectedness through energy and um, any, any, I've been thrilled to see over time how more and more people are willing and interested in talking about energy, interconnectedness, um, things that weren't were considered, you know, totally outside what is possible. And more and more clients that saying to me, you know, what do you think about, about past lives? Do you think that's really a thing? Yes, it is actually. I I do think it is. And, and um, it's, it's, I think I, I do feel there is a cultural shift towards people wanting to wanting it to be true. If nothing else, you know, we all, we are spiritual beings as fundamentally as we are physical beings and ignoring our spiritual senses is like ignoring our, you know, it's like pretending our digestive system doesn't need 
to be taken care of. Like we don't need to eat. So it, it's almost, it feels that catastrophic to ignore our spiritual side when it comes to our personal health and growth and just being happy. So the more comfortable people are talking about energy and how it affects us and what we do for it. And I think it's, it's all, it's all good. It's all necessary to, for our healing to proceed. 100%. So I know everything is a little upside down right now with the pandemic and COVID-19. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, because I know you're not practicing uh, massage therapy at the moment because of the pandemic. um, But I also know that you've been doing a lot of research in uh, with relations to massage therapy and how that affects people who are experiencing COVID. So can you tell us a little bit about um, what you know uh, up, up to the moment with massage therapy? Sure. And um, I appreciate you mentioning up to the moment because, you know, this is such an evolving story and what people were saying two months ago isn't necessarily what they're saying today. Um, it's, I think every, every industry and particularly in holistic health, maybe are, are debating what, what this means for us and how we move forward. And, you know, a lot of people are doing great work going virtual and, um, which is, thank God, because um, you just can't with massage. And and that's what I've been looking at is, you know, what exactly are the risks involved in, you know, how risky is it to get a massage today? And, you know, as I said, it's an evolving story and things might change. But as, as it is now, I'm staying out and a lot of therapists I know, massage therapists are staying out too because, A, it's impossibly, sorry, it's impossible to socially distance. It just fundamentally cannot happen and uh, people talk about you know ppe and 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 using n95 masks and you know we don't have the idea that massage therapists should get access to n95 masks i mean if we had plenty if we had tons of inventory sure but we don't we still don't yet so the idea of us taking up hospitals and 95 masks to do massage, which is still frankly non-essential. Um, it doesn't seem reasonable to me. So that means using cloth masks, which are just frankly not terribly effective over the long term. And you know, when you're uh, the, the latest research is if you're in you know, within six feet of each other, breathing each other's air after 15 minutes, you're at risk of trans- transferring the virus. So. No, no one gets 15-minute massages, right. <laughs> not usually. And then there's some chiropractic offices that might go ahead and do massage because they're often, I worked for a chiropractor for a while and they're often much shorter sessions. And you can maybe, you make the argument that's only 15 minutes and you keep it to 15 and, and um, keep them out of the room. But and the other piece of that, is that for with, me though. Was that with masks? With that, uh, no, that's actually without masks. It's okay. like 15 minutes. So in theory with cloth masks, it would be a little bit longer. Uh, I haven't seen the research on just how much longer, but the cloth masks, I think, are only like, they were like 20 20 or 30% effective the last I checked. So Mm. I don't know how much more beyond 15 minutes you'd really want to go, even with masks on. Um, So there's that piece of it. And then they just haven't been clear on, you know, can it be transmitted through sweat? Can it be transmitted through skin oil? Not really sure yet. And it's been, you know, it's, it, the virus has appeared in lots of other places. We don't know if it's, that's an, a possible risk. The, the biggest one for me, though, is the uh, coagulation problem. They're finding that not just in, in, the, in se- severely ill patients, ill with COVID, um, people are getting blood clots and um, they're seeing strokes and 
it's actually a vascular disease more than, you know, initially people were thinking of it as a problem with the lungs, but it's more and more evidence is pointing towards it actually being a blood problem and a vascular problem and a circula circulation problem. So, um, which is why so many different organs are being potentially being affected and you're getting uh, odd rashes and there's uh, the purple toes that kids are getting. I think it's, uh, it's about, a, it's the interfering with circulation and how the blood is flowing and how the how the blood vessels are, are functioning and if they're functioning at all. So the, the, the tariff, but the scary thing for me is that you can have someone who's asymptomatic, but they're forming blood clots. Oh, wait, and, and, and as I mentioned before, you know, in oncology massage, uh, you, one reason you don't do vigorous massage on someone in cancer treatments is they are at a very high risk of blood clots. That's one of the, the, one of the really major concerns, actually. So the idea someone could walk into my office, not have a fever, um, not have any symptoms, but potentially have blood clots in their body, and I could dislodge a clot and do serious damage. So until we know how to, you know, until you know more about that, and um, it may never be solved, you know, it's, if it's always true that a person can develop blood clots without knowing it, I don't see how massage is a safe modality for the near future. Yeah. So, I mean, are there any signs that, I know you kind of mentioned the purple toes and things like that. Are are there signs that a massage therapist would recognize that there's a, a hidden blood clot or is it sort of one of those things that are just like unseen? Yeah. Um, I mean, very often blood clots, cluster in the backs of the legs. It's the most more common area to get blood clots rather, you know, but the people who are sick with COVID are getting them in their lungs and um, other places. So I would say at this point, sometimes people have rashes that may indicate something is amiss with their, with their blood um, or have other symptoms, but I, I can't speak knowledgeably about that at all. I haven't, I haven't seen anything definitive, certainly where we would be able to tell up, you know, right off up front, if someone is having a blood clotting issue, it's not something that's not, not something I'm aware of at this time, if there's any signs. So, so that means is that, um, you know, I'm encouraging my clients to go see practitioners who are able to be virtual, you know, there's, and people are really thinking outside the box right now about what to do to help people have, um, have less pain. Like I know a physical therapist who is, uh, offering, you know, virtual consultations to make sure their workstations are set up properly so they're not getting the neck and shoulder pains. That was actually one of the first, I'd say the, the week before I closed, I had a rash of people who all said, oh my God, I have a neck spasm. I'm working from home at my kitchen table and now I can't move because people are just, we're just sent home without a whole lot of, without a whole lot of prior, you know, without any kind of preparation and not realizing they were they're going to be there for months right and um not really setting themselves up, themselves up for that so it, it's gonna be an interesting way interesting self-care journey as well figuring for people to figure out how to take care of themselves when some avenues are no longer open to them um and because and virtual one thing about virtual uh, treatment is you're really responsible for your own care uh, you really have to follow through it yourself there's no one touching you there's no one you know um leading your muscles through exercises you have to figure it out on your own and do it on your own. So, which honestly, I, it's, you know, there's, there's odd little benefits here and there. I mean, I've always been, it's been a piece of holistic medicine. It's always been very clear to me and very important to me is, is, uh, is that the person 
takes responsibility for their healing process and also feels empowered to to get the to actually fix the problem that they have or at least you know really mitigate it it's it's a it's you know, it's a whole paradigm shift from western medicine i think of instead of looking to an expert to to fix you you are a collaborator with with experts who are going to help you self support you with their expertise and their herbs and their exercises and their knowledge to help you heal yourself and it's going to be even more important when it's all online in zoom meetings instead of you know hands-on healing which is going to be reduced at the very least are you currently doing any um, any Zoom meetings for for clients to help them? Uh, I know you mentioned that the physical therapist uh, that you had referred a moment ago was helping people set up their stations. Are you assisting people in any way um, distantly? I am currently not. I'm in fact pointing them towards people who are who have figured out the online thing. You know, um, my acupuncturist is doing telehealth and sending home you know mailing home herbs and. And magnets for magnet therapy. Um, the physical therapist is also going to start offering roller you know, classes with rollers, so people can do myofascial release with a a, a foam roller. Um, I actually know another woman who does myofascial release with rollers. Uh, Pilates classes are online. Yeah, you know, um, so I'm actually kind of sending people off to other practitioners at this point until I figure out what my my pivot is going to be and what exactly I'm going to do for my, to, you know, to, to do my part in all of this and providing holistic medicine, you know, the energy work is a possibility, but, um, I haven't launched anything just yet. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no shame in taking your time and figuring things out and letting, letting things unfold. You know, everyone Absolutely. is going through their own process and everyone's work is affected in a different way. So, um, yeah, there's, you know, and I've been chatting with a whole range of people um, over the last few months that are some people are still working, some people are not. And it's it's a, you know, everyone's just figuring it out as they go along. Absolutely. And I think it's um, it's it's such a, a difficult thing but this is our you know long dark journey through the night moment where it's the time to stop and and it, it's it's what this moment is for it's it's absolutely to stop and sit, sit still and and re-examine and and really decide what we actually need in our lives to to be to thrive i think a lot of people have been in survival mode for a really long time and the the culture and the the climate and um the, econ the economy has has pushed people to be in that fight or flight survival mode for, for years, frankly. I, I can't tell you how many people I've talked to who the first, you know, the first few weeks of, of quarantine, it's just a sense of relief. I mean, I, thank God I can just sit still for a minute. I, I didn't realize just how ragged I was, how exhausted, how, how depressed I was. And now there's a whole nother different, you know, problem being home for so long. And then the, the word, financial repercussions are obviously huge. And I, and I don't want to diminish, I know people who, I know people out, of course, were sent home and there, there was no sense of relief at all. They're just afraid because they have to, you know, worry about where the next paycheck is coming from. And so there's, there's all these different, you know, all these different responses to what's happening. But um, if you can possibly sit, sit in it, I certainly recommend that you do just sit in, in the, in the silence that is this time, the, the space that's being given to some of us, at least, yeah. to sit still in the time and figure out what's next. Absolutely. And just make, make, and make the world better, for goodness sakes. You know, yeah. we, we could, there's so many things we can do to make things better than they were three months ago. 100%. 
One hundred percent. Well, Stacy, how can how can people find you? I know that you're currently referring a lot of people out, but um, when we do reintegrate, how um, how can people uh, find out more about what you do and what you're offering? Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I've been kind of remiss in not changing my website. It looks like I'm up and running when I'm not. But my website is is my name, stacyevery.com, um, and on there is my contact information. One thing I'm totally happy to do is just to talk to people if they have questions or would like to hear more about the practitioners I'm referring to or uh, questions about energy. Of course, I'm always happy to to have those conversations, and uh, I'd, I'd be thrilled actually to have those conversations. I'm. I think this is a moment when holistic medicine is more important than ever, honestly. And I would just assume folks find as many uh, as many people to support them as possible as we all struggle. And Stacey, do you have any any last words of wisdom that you would like to throw out into the universe as we come to the top of the hour, the end of our show? Yeah, you know, it's one reason I think sitting still in the moment is important is that we don't we don't even there's needs we haven't even uncovered yet. You know, we've, we've been in a kind of way of living for so long that we've closed off in our minds other ways of living life and interacting and having relationships. And so um, I guess I encourage anyone listening to think about you know, what, what we actually really do need and what are some new ways we can get what we need. You know, I, I'm, also thrilled to hear about those stories too because I think this is an opportunity really to think outside our boxes and so many avenues of taking care of ourselves and um, um, and just living a life have been closed off to us so what directions can we go in instead and how do we best get there and how who you know who can we find to support us on these this new journey that we're on and again just making things better than they were why not when we're wiping you know, if it knocked down a bunch of, of old ways of doing things, let's let's do the best we can to build up something new that we all can appreciate and it's good for everyone. Yeah, I like that. And yeah, and I think that when we're like sitting still and we're saying, what is it that I need? Then those questions that we're making room for new answers and new ideas and uh, new systems that we can put into place that are knocking down our systems of racism and knocking down our systems of wrapping our identity around work and you know, money and all these kind of things that are really have got us into a knot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's absolutely yep. fi- finding finding ways, new ways of doing things. That's what 2020 is all about. You know, absolutely. I mean, it's and it's it, 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 of course, it's painful, right? Like, like No one wants a forest fire. But once you burn down the old forest, man, some great stuff grows up afterwards. And that's what we need. Yeah. You know, and I think that's it's fertile ground, right? When we burn something down, we create fertile ground. And, you know, this is a op- great opportunity, honestly, for people who are been wanting to try that new idea. And, I, and God bless them. I, I hope they they hit it and find find ways to, to bring it to birth because we need new we need new ways. One hundred percent. Well, thank you so much, Stacey. Um, and if you are just tuning in now and you want to hear this episode, you can always go to ReikiNorthampton.com uh, backslash radio archives and hear this episode. Or you can find this episode uh, in on Friday uh, on the Energy Matters podcast and anywhere you download your podcasts. 
So thank you, Stacy. Um, and yeah, definitely uh, stacyevery.com. That's S-T-A-C-Y-E-V-E-R-Y.com. Um, so if you have any questions and want to look a little bit more information for yourself, that's a great place to go. So uh, thank you so much. And and I will be uh, hopefully meeting you in person at some point in the future. <laughs> <laughs> that would be lovely. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed today. No problem. All right. So we're going to close out um just for a minute uh so have a great uh weekend and be well everyone